Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year for those who I haven't seen since last year. So I want to thank you for taking the time to come to church today. This is a beautiful day because it's the day that the Lord has made. And I'm very happy to see you guys. So first of all, before I start the message, um, I want to welcome those who come for the first time. So I want to welcome Yolanda right here. Levante la mano. Um, she comes today for the first time, and uh, I wanted to ask you guys for permission uh, during the message to say a couple of things in Spanish. I wanted to know if it's okay. If it's okay, raise your hand. Um, she accepted the invitation. Thank you, Kayari. I really appreciate it. Uh, she accepted the invitation even though she doesn't speak English. Trust me, if I, would, if I, if I spoke Tagalog, if I spoke Mandarin, any other language, I will, I will do it. But um, I'm still in the process. Also, so, gracias, Yolanda, por venir. So, also, um, I am very blessed because in the last few days, I've been meeting with some of you. And uh, I was uh, very blessed to meet with Hilda this week and Mino. Um, just to get to know them, you know, and uh, Hilda actually shared with me that she would like to have a Bible study at her home, so I was very, very excited, and uh, I hope you guys are getting excited too, because this is a new year, we got to start, you know, with the right food, and um, any of you who think, you know, you could open your home for a Bible study uh, once a week, please talk to me, eventually, you know, we will organize that uh, for the church, because Sunday is not enough, we need more of the Word of God, you know, um, as often, you know, as possible. So I want to thank you for that, and um, I want to uh, extend the invitation to you also that I want to meet with every single one of you, because my purpose is I want to get to know you a little bit more. I want to know about the things that God has done with you. I want to know a little bit more about the plans that you have, and to help you how we can get connected to church. So I also want to welcome uh, Josh, raise your hand, Josh, and uh, Jessica, and Jessica, thank you for coming. They're a new couple, you know, to the church, so I encourage you, you know, after church, you know, go hug them, uh, you know, shake their hands, invite them to coffee, uh, do, do whatever it takes, but, you know, show them love and appreciation for coming. So thank you, and the rest of you, thank you so much for being here, okay? So... We're going to get to the Word of God. Uh, Charles, did you bring your Bible today? Do you have your Bible? Awesome. Give it up for Charles. Thank you. So later on, uh, can you please just have ready Matthew 6, 5. Uh, we're going to read it um, in a few minutes. Just, just have it ready, Matthew 6, 5. So... Just a few years ago, I started to get more passionate about personal development. You're going to hear me talk a lot about personal development. Because I believe that the most important thing in life is purpose. Purpose is the most important thing in life. 
few months ago, I shared with you how a saleswoman wanted to sell me some products. And she wanted to convince me to get her products, you know, so that I could sell it to other people. And I was interested in her products, and I bought her products. And she asked me, Franklin, uh, is there something worse than death? And, um, but she asked the other person first, and the other person said, I don't know. And when she asked me, I said, yes, there's something worse than death. And she said, what is it? Uh, she thought I was going to say, you know, something related to money. But I said, something worse than death is living a life without purpose. Living this life, living this world, not knowing what the purpose of God is for your life. So death is not the worst thing that can happen to you. The worst thing that can happen to you is living a life without knowing what God has for you in your life. So I began to study, you know, a little bit of leadership because leadership, it's about influencing other people. But leadership is also about learning how to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you need to learn, you know, uh, the word of God and how to treat others and a lot of good things, you know, related to that. So I want to read for you this morning something that changed my life in the book of Proverbs 19.21. Proverbs 19.21. And this is something that really changed my thinking, changed the way I saw things. And I hope it can also change the way you see things. So Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Let me read it again. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this beautiful morning and for this group of people, Lord God, who have made the sacrifice to come into this place. I pray, Lord God, that today we will understand that in the midst of our plans, in the midst of our desires that we have and requests, your purpose is the most important thing that we need to shoot for. So I pray today that we will be encouraged, Lord God, and that we, we will just be excited, Lord God, about the purpose that God has for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So today in this morning, I want to speak to you about the purpose of prayer. So the purpose of prayer, uh, a lot of times when you go to different churches, I heard a pastor saying that sometimes, you know, he will visit churches that have 5,000 people or 10,000 people. But when you show up to the prayer meetings, out of a church of 5,000 people, only about 80 people show up to the prayer meeting. You have a church of 10,000 people and then you have a prayer meeting Monday uh, in the evening, and there's a little bit over 100 people who show up for prayer. 
There was even a pastor that I heard one time saying, I don't measure the success of your church by how many thousands of people you have. I measure the success of your church by how many people show up to prayer in the church. Sometimes that's why I don't like going out with pastors a lot because all they talk is about numbers. And I went to a breakfast, you know, with a few pastors, you know, one time. And as soon as they sat down, the new pastors started to introduce each other. And the first question, they didn't even ask for names. The first question was, hey, how many people do you have in your church? And somebody would be like, oh, I got 300 people. And what about you? Ah, I got 600. Oh, wow. And, and then, oh, I got 1,000 people. And wow, wow. And more people, you know, got impressed. And then when they got to me and they say, hey, Franklin, how many people do you have in the church? And I said, 120,000. Ha! And they started laughing, you know, in the breakfast. And I stayed serious. And they said, no, seriously, how many people do you have in your church? How many members? I said, 120,000. And they said, no, 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 we're serious. How many, you know, people go, go to your church? And I said, 120,000. And they asked me why. I said, because I live in the city of West Covina, and the Lord has called me to pastor the whole city. So I don't count the people that come into the building on Sunday. I count the people that is in my city, and those are 120,000 people. So they were like, <laughs> good point, good point. So I never really told them, you know, how many people there were in my church because a lot of people, you know, measure success by how many numbers they see. But God measures success about something else. And in this morning, I want to talk to you about the real purpose for prayer. And let me tell you with all the love of God that sometimes even when pastors say, when a lot of preachers say, I'm going to talk about prayer today, a lot of people, not from here, I'm not saying here, but in other churches, a lot of people say in their minds, oh, great again, you know, it's so early in the morning, he's going to talk about prayer today. Or, oh, man. And, uh, but you know what? Let me tell you the purpose of prayer. If prayer is so important, now let me ask you first, how many of you believe that prayer is very important? Raise your hand. How many of you believe prayer is powerful? Raise your hand. All right, like 90% of you, 99% of you. So if prayer is so important and if prayer makes a difference, if prayer is so wonderful and it is so powerful, then why do people stop praying? This is a question that has been in my heart, you know, for so many years. So many years. Because I learned that prayer is powerful when I was about 11 years old. I was playing with my younger brother. If, if you have a brother that is younger or older, you will notice that a lot of the boys, you know, they, they play about fighting and they wrestle, you know, when they play. And when I was 11 years old, I think my brother was about five or, or four, I don't remember. But we started playing, you know, in the yard of my house. And uh, we were wrestling, you know, and fighting. And, and uh, you know, it, it was very popular for us, you know, to do that. And then all of a sudden, by accident, I hit my brother's teeth with my knee so hard that my brother flipped like about three or five times, you know, going backwards. And as soon as I, I hit his, his teeth, I knew that that was not going to be good. 
Now, I want you to think about this. We, don't, we didn't have any dentists in my town. We didn't have any dentist insurance, let alone even, even now, people don't have dentist insurance or dental insurance. So when my brother started screaming, I, all I could see was his blood coming out of his mouth, and I saw his teeth, and I literally saw a few teeth just barely hanging from his mouth. My grandma came very scared out of the house, and the first thing she said was, oh, my gosh, you are really in trouble. Wait until your dad comes. Oh, my gosh. And she couldn't stop, you know, saying, oh, my gosh. I didn't know what to do. I saw my little brother crying and screaming and, and bleeding from his mouth. So the first thing that, I, that it occurred to me, I don't know what to do. I was so desperate. I grabbed his hand, and then he let go of my hand. He was really mad and screaming and shouting. And I said, Caleb, uh, just come, just come. I grabbed his hand. I went into a room, and I said, you know, let's pray. Let's just pray. And he went on his knees, and I started praying. I said, Lord, I'm really sorry that I hit my brother with my knee. And I kept looking at him. He couldn't stop crying and yelling and screaming. And I said, God, but I prayed that, that you just put his feet back, you know, where they belong. Um, heal him and make him stop crying. So I stopped praying in Jesus' name. And I looked at him, and he was still crying and screaming. So I continued praying again. And I said, Father God, I really need you. I pray, please, in the name of Jesus. I am not going to open my eyes until I see that those teeth are back because I believe in you. And I continue praying and praying and praying. And all of a sudden, I started to hear that my brother stopped, stopped crying. And little by little, he started to calm down himself. And then I said, okay, in my mind, I was like, okay, should I open my eyes now or should I continue praying? And I was just saying in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Then after a little while, maybe 45 minutes, I opened my eyes. I looked at my brother and he was only doing this. <laughs> and his mouth, you know, he, his lips, you know, they were closed. So I asked my brother, show me your teeth, Caleb, show me your teeth. <laughs> and then he, he opened his mouth. And then I, I touched his teeth. And I was like, oh, they're hard. Caleb. And, and then I said, praise the Lord, nothing happened to you. My brother wouldn't talk to me. So we got up, and then my, my father showed up, and my father, my grandmother went to my father. This and this and this happened. So my father came to my brother Caleb, and he said, what happened, Caleb? Oh, frankly, Jules hit my mouth. And, and then and I said, and he said, show me your teeth. And his teeth were really, really hard. I was like about 11 years old. And you know what I said? That changed my life. And I said, I will never doubt that God has power through prayer. But why do people stop praying? Why do people stop praying in churches? Why people who have been Christians for so long, all of a sudden they quit praying? Or they don't like going to prayer meetings? And I think I figure out the answer to that question. And I figure out the answer because I went through it myself. The reason why people don't pray or the reason, the main reason why people don't make prayer a priority or don't go to prayer meetings in the church or stop praying about something is because they don't get the results they want. 
So people don't get the results they want, and they stop praying. They stop going to prayer meetings in the church. They stop praying for their wives. They stop praying for their husbands. They stop praying, you know, for healing. They stop praying, you know, for needs they have because they don't get the results they want. Let me read for you again in the Bible. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. The scripture is trying to tell us that God is more concerned about his purpose for you than the plans that you have for you. God is more concerned about what he has for you than about the things that you want to reach for yourself. God is more concerned about the process that he is taking you through so that you become more like Christ than the plans that you have for your life so that you can be successful in the way you measure success. Let me tell you a scripture that really changed my thinking about prayer when I read it. And when I read the scripture, this verse, I was like, wow. Wow, about prayer. Charles, would you read Matthew 6, 5, please? Yes. All right, stop right there. Say it again. Did you hear that? Thank you, Charles. Just there. There's four words right there. Matthew 6, 5 says, and when you pray, how many do you understand that? So Jesus is not saying when you feel like praying or if you feel like praying or if you are doing not so well and you pray. Or if you feel so happy because things are falling into place and you pray. Or if you go to church and you pray. Or if, everything, if you have time and you pray. Matthew 6, 5, Jesus is not saying that. Jesus is saying, and when you pray. So Jesus is saying practically when implies that you will pray. The word when implies that you will do it. The, the, the word when implies that you will take the time to pray. The word when implies that if you are a believer of Jesus, you will pray. And let me tell you that the Bible also says that believers never cease praying. That we never stop praying. So here's my first point for you about prayer Prayer is not an option for a Christian, for a believer. Prayer is not a choice. Prayer is a necessity. If you don't pray, you will die spiritually. If you don't pray, you will get disconnected from God. 
If you don't pray, you will not understand what the Bible says when the book of Proverbs says that many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose, the one that prevails. Prayer is a necessity. It's not a matter of whether you have time or you don't have time to do it. It's that you have to do it because Jesus said, and when you pray, he wasn't telling the disciples, hey, guys, if you pray or whenever you get a chance to pray or when you don't have such a hard job and, and you pray. No, when you pray. How many of you guys love prayer? Amen. So the disciples learned the power of prayer through something that I was also shocked in the Bible. Can you believe we're going we're gonna to go to the book of Luke chapter 11. But let me tell you this. Can you believe that the only question... That the disciples asked Jesus to teach them was to learn how to pray. If you read the Gospels in the New Testament, you will not see any other question, any other request from the disciples to Jesus. The only request that the disciples asked Jesus is to teach them how to pray. Let me tell you, I want to be very open with you guys. I don't know if I had... I don't know, just knowing myself and being with Jesus, you know, three and a half years. And can you imagine, you know, Jesus, you know, going into town and all of a sudden, you know, he would go to a blind man and said, hey, what, what do you want me to do for you? And the man says, I want to see. Boom, see, your faith has saved you. And then all of a sudden, God will be walking again to Jesus and see a demon possessed and as soon as... Uh, as soon as, you know, the demons saw Jesus, you know, they, they tried to run away or, or they tried to, you know, say things to Jesus. And Jesus would just tell the man, be free. Boom, we're free in a fraction of a second. And all of a sudden, they were walking again in town. And a mom, you know, was carrying a coffee with a baby. And, and then Jesus was like, what's going on here? And the people tell Jesus, uh, that woman, her little daughter just died. She's in the coffin. And Jesus would just go touch the coffin. Boom, leave right now. In a fraction of a second, you know, the little girl will get up. Then all of a sudden, Jesus would go near a swimming pool. And saw a man who couldn't walk. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? The man said, I want to walk. And Jesus would be like, boom walk and all of a sudden things crazy things like that will happen every single day with Jesus if I had been a disciple I don't know I, I probably would have been worse than Peter maybe I would have asked Jesus hey Jesus uh, teach me how to walk on water I want to know how to walk on water you know so or maybe, maybe if I had been with Jesus, if I had been a disciple, I would have, I would have asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, uh, teach me how to heal somebody who is blind. But do you know that the disciples did not ask that question? Never. The only request that the disciples asked to Jesus was, Lord, teach us how to pray. I was very impressed, you know, by the, the miracles, you know, that Jesus uh, was doing, you know, when he was here on the earth. Because he would go in every town and in a matter, a fraction of a second, you know, Jesus wouldn't 
his prayers, when he prayed for people, for miracles, he wouldn't uh, just pray for 30 minutes. No, it was just like a fraction of a second. And the disciples, they would observe Jesus. You know, they would be with Jesus and they would see a miracle. And then they would see another miracle. And then the next day, man, crazy things happen with Jesus. And every single day is an adventure. But the disciples started to observe Jesus. And they will notice what happened in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. The Bible says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples how to pray. I want you to notice that the, the Bible says that when Jesus was praying in a certain place, that means Jesus was not praying with the disciples. Jesus was by himself praying. And then the Bible says when Jesus finished, one of his disciples said to him, Jesus, show us, teach us how to pray. Something that you need to understand that uh, in Bible times, in biblical times, business hours, you know, back then were from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. When, when the sun rise and then when the sunset happened, that was the only day. Our business hours, you know, in 2019, we start working at 8.30, 9 a.m., we finish at 5 p.m. We have electricity during the night. You can do overtime. You can start, you know, before 7 a.m. because there's electricity, there's light, there's cars. In biblical times, you know, it wasn't like that. So people, in order to start business hours at 6 a.m., people had to get up like at 5 o'clock in the morning or at 4.30 in the morning to get things ready so that at 6 o'clock, you know, they will start selling in the market. They will start doing business. So when the Bible says that, you know, Jesus was praying and, and he was praying in a certain place, Jesus was getting up to pray at least about 3 o'clock in the morning. So by the time the disciples were getting up, you know, from sleeping, Jesus had already prayed like four, five, six hours. There's a lot of scriptures that tells us that Jesus will go and pray the whole night or he will get up early in the morning. He will go and pray and then he will come to the disciples and tell the disciples, hey guys, so let's get up. Let's go into town and see what happened. So Jesus would show up into a town and as soon as Jesus or people saw that Jesus was walking into town, people were already following Jesus because they knew that they were going to get a miracle from God. So the disciples started observing Jesus and they, and, and they started observing that Jesus would just go to a blind person and say, boom, your face saved you. And then five minutes later, you know, a woman touches his part of his, uh, his outfit or, or his dress. And then Jesus said, Where, who touched me? You know, because power came out of me. And it took a fraction of a second. The disciples, you know, were so shocked that that happened. So miracle after miracle after miracle. And all of a sudden, the disciples started to connect. They catch up. They caught up to Jesus. They did the math. So Jesus takes one minute to deal with a problem in a human being. 
but he takes four hours to six hours of prayer early in the morning every day so that he will deal with a problem in one minute. Do, do you understand the math? So the disciples started to see that Jesus was doing this every single day. Jesus would spend four to six hours, maybe more, in prayer. And then by the time they got up, the disciples got up and went into town, it took Jesus a fraction of a second to do a miracle, to change somebody's life, to provide food for people, to raise somebody from the dead. I remember one time years ago, <clears throat> uh, it was actually in my high school. I was going to a Christian high school. Uh, somebody was demon-possessed. And they went to call me, you know, so that I would go and pray for this guy. And when, when I show up uh, into this classroom, this young man had a knife, you know, on, on, his, um, on his vein right here. And he was speaking, you know, with a different voice. And he, he was saying that he was going to kill himself. And he was speaking in another language that I couldn't understand. And, and there were a lot of people, you know, praying for him. And, and Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And, and this guy wouldn't let anybody get close to him. He was speaking a different voice. He had a knife on his neck. And then when I show up and I saw him, I said, oh, God, you know, he looks a little scary. He was screaming and doing just a bunch of, you know, crazy things. So, and, and I said, how long have you guys been praying for him? And they said, like two hours. And I said, wow, that's a long time. So in my mind, I was like, uh, so if they pray two hours, how, you know, I mean, I, I just didn't understand. But I went and prayed for him. And, and I said, uh, whoever you are, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And uh, I remember that after five, ten minutes of prayer, you know, he calmed down. He put the knife on the side. And then he started talking to us. And we prayed for him. He got saved. He received Jesus. But you know what? The disciples made the connection. It takes four to six hours for Jesus to pray, to be in the presence of God. But it takes one minute for Jesus to make an impact. And let me tell you, we do the opposite. We spend one minute with God in the morning. And then we spend four to six hours dealing with a problem during the day so that we can solve something. That's why the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. If you go to the book of Acts before chapter 6, you're going to realize that when Jesus was gone, the church was growing. And all of a sudden, people started complaining because the disciples couldn't give food to everybody. So the disciples realized we shouldn't be giving food to people. We should be praying and just reading the word of God. So the disciples had a meeting with the church and they say, look, people are complaining that we're not enough. We're only 12. So please do the work of the ministry. You and those of us who are the apostles, the disciples, we're just going to take time for prayer and read the scripture. Pastor David jong Cho has the largest church in the world, a million members in South Korea. And he has a book that says, that prayer is the most important thing in life. The more you pray, 
the more you will see God. So what is the purpose of prayer? The purpose of prayer is not for God to give you all the things that you want. Or the purpose of prayer is not for you to get from God what you want. The purpose of prayer is for God's purpose to become a reality in your life. And what is the purpose of God? The purpose of God is that you are more like Jesus. And when you become more like Jesus, you become closer to God. And when you become closer to God, everything falls into place. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 30, 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's why the Bible says in the New Testament, look first the kingdom of heaven and everything else shall be added. Because the purpose of prayer is not to get something from God. The purpose of prayer is to get closer to God so that his purpose can be a reality in your life and when the purpose of God starts taking place then everything else starts falling into place in your life and things that are supposed to intended to be or to do harm to you all of a sudden they come and do good to you like Romans says because God uses it for his purpose that is the purpose of prayer is to let the purpose of God become a reality in our lives. Yolanda, parte de mi mensaje es que la oración no es una opción, la oración es una necesidad. Prayer is not an option. Prayer is a necessity. How many of you guys want to learn how to pray? Trust me. Be, well, don't trust me. Don't believe me. I change it. Trust this book. If you make prayer a priority in your life, like Jesus did, you will see the purpose of God become a reality in your life. The purpose of God is better than any good plan that you have for your own life. His plan for you is a thousand, a million times better than the best plan that you have for your own life. Let's make prayer a priority. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you today. We thank you today, Lord God, for the opportunity that we have to speak to you, Lord God, through prayer. I pray, Lord God, that we will understand the message in Proverbs that many are the plans that a person has in his or her heart. But it is the purpose of God, the one that has to prevail. I pray, Lord God, in this morning that we will all just develop love for prayer. Make prayer a priority. Make prayer, Lord God, a, a, a discipline, a daily personal discipline in our lives, Lord God, so that we get closer to the purpose that you have for us. I pray, Lord God, right now that as this church grows, 
that we will be dependent on prayer. Not depending on the pastor's prayer, not depending on the leader's prayer, but depending on the prayer that Jesus thought that we all need to pray. We all need, we all have access to the same God, access to the same power if we pray. Thank you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus.